What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Everyone's wondering where the heck we've been. It's been 139 days since we last had a basketball pod. Actually, it was the one we, if everyone remembers, the one we covered with uh, the two most recent, which we'll get to our most recent edition, but for the ones that probably will see action with A.J. Ferguson and Clarence Rupert, that was our last podcast all the way back in late May. We apologize for that. It's been that it's been football season, but here we are. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. Noah, the longest hiatus I think we've ever had. But like I said, football has been in full swing. We've been enjoying that. The team's playing well. and But we know basketball season's right around the corner. What's going on? Yeah, it's been, a, it's, like you said, it's been a long time. But, yeah, we've been grinding on football stuff, obviously, in the middle of that season. Um, we thought, obviously – it usually it's usually the same time, but it feels like a little later. We kind of were on that edge of waiting for seeing where that schedule is coming out, but it obviously it felt like it came out later. But maybe it's always the same time. But uh, finally got out that, and it's just been uh, things are racking up. So we got a lot to discuss. Yeah, we will end this with because it's the most important part of any discussion. Our recent tweet about secret scrimmages, the schedule. We know media day was last month. Just a lot of things to cover that we will at the end. There's some things to cover uh, between them. We've had, uh, I've had a script built like ever since our last pod, since we've been putting it off, been kind of adding to it. And then once it's time to do it, you take off, you know, it seems like the the least important things. But yes, we try to devise something that, of the things that are like seem the most important. So we will dive into everything from around the valley of everything we know, obviously, where there's been a lot of offers for recruits. There was one that happened last month that we were just made aware of. There's one pretty important one that we'll get into and then other things. And then we will get into those important things. So, yes, and obviously, since the last time we talked, everybody has known about what the team now looks like, everything we, we've retweeted and things. And Noah, like I said, we've had a newer edition that we haven't had since the last time we talked. Granted, it's not a huge one, but Noah, we kind of, at the time when we saw it, we didn't know exactly what he was. We figured, uh, you know, we had a feeling what he was, and that's Junior or J.R. Jacobs, you know, a new walk-on, talented young guard, it appears. We'll get into, and you'll dive into maybe what, you know, maybe on his Twitter account, what it says that he was you know, uh, highly touted or something, but he's here and he's been, you know, making friends with, with the teammates and being one of the funniest players on the team. We'll get to that. And he looks like he's leaving his mark. Now let's dive into J.R. Jacobs, who committed probably around sometime in June, I think. So he's the newest addition and the last addition to the team. Yeah, obviously uh, it was kind of sketchy when he, when he committed, um, whether – I, I would assume you're correct by saying JR could be abbreviated junior. I have no idea. Things are weird with names nowadays, but I would uh, um, I would assume it's uh, JR as well, but attended Memphis East High School for his freshman and sophomore years. Um, then he transferred over to Bartlett, Tennessee for his senior season. Um, he led that team to the Class 4A, and I believe on his Twitter it says he was a um, in the state of Tennessee, he was one of the McDonald's All-American um, finalists, um, but I don't think he, he didn't make it. But um, 
Yeah, this is a guy that had one offer coming out of high school that was Division One. Um, usually at this size, at five nine, five nine, one fifty five. Um, us being here close to John A. and watching their games, this is where you see a lot of kids at that size that probably can score the ball and pass the ball pretty well go to a JUCO level um, before maybe going on to Division One at that point. But yeah, this guy's going to be a walk on. Um, going to be him and Chris Cross. So um, hopefully he can uh, maybe one day find a role. But, um, yeah, he's here, excited to be here, and uh, glad to add him. Yeah, there was a video the team posted recently of the funniest teammate, and Lance did say JR, I think, and some of the other players said JR. So, yeah, I'm thinking that's what it is. You're right. It's 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 good to have him, and he fills in for Will Keller to fill that other walk-on spot with Chris Cross. Uh, it's funny because they they all I think some of them said Clarence, and uh, I think somebody might have said Dalton or something, but most of them said Jr. and uh, Chris Cross were the funniest on the team. So it's it's the guys that you know are on the team, uh, you know, having fun, and they're not like a you know, obviously you know they're not going to play, so they can be a little bit more loose and keep our like all the players that do play a little bit, you know, more loose themselves and have some fun. So it's good to have guys like this. Yeah. Uh, because we've been, you know, whether it's offers or anything, we've been kind of, uh, because it not, nobody on the staff had followed JR on his Twitter when, when he committed. So we didn't know, cause we've, we've been full before about a commitment or an offer before. And then the account either didn't exist or we just didn't know anything like that. So we were, yeah, we were kind of whatever at first, but, He's here, and it's we're glad to have him to fill that one spot. And you're right, maybe one day if he plays hard and practice and earns anything that he can, uh, you know, obviously he can play at any point in the game if we're beating a team bad or vice versa, he can find his way in. And you're right, that size he couldn't have maybe went anywhere else, but he landed here, and it looks like he's fitting right in. So that's a good that's a good sign to see. So welcome, Jr. We'll get into here shortly the numbers for the players, but no others. Another news, just in terms of the team update, knowing about who we had on the team, whether staff or players last year, I didn't have it on here, but because we were talking endlessly about what the decision was before we landed all these guys. And I don't think we were, we didn't have the pod officially until we knew that Ben Harvey was calling it quits on his career. Uh, I think we found out about that after the previous pod. So that was confirmed, but we kind of knew that when we added AJ and Clarence um, and then added everyone else before that, they were the final two. So, no, I wanted to add that in there because, you know, we don't know the status of anything that Ben's doing nowadays. We know he played really well and did everything he was supposed to, got his degree and everything and graduated. And it was unfortunate the kind of injury that he had that could have caused his career to end because we know how talented he was. Now, a quick thoughts on Ben Harvey's career, knowing that he's – we're glad that his spot is filled if he was going to sit out and use eligibility. But, no, it looks like he's calling it quits. And shout out to Ben for the time he had here. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's crazy to see um, it end the way it did. We knew the type of player he was. Um, I think that the way it ended, obviously, we we're last year. The way the injuries happened, it was kind of mysterious, and it unfortunately came to an end. Um, we know he graduated, so. Um, he gets that. I think his Twitter page says he's part of the University of Arkansas Little Roth Athletics. So um, he's already putting that degree to work. I don't know if maybe um, he's a graduate 
assistant or something maybe down there on that team. Um, Did you say Little Rock? Yeah, I looked it in right now. He is a marketing and a development assistant in the Arkansas Little Rock uh, Athletics Department. So already putting that degree to work, so pretty cool to see um, him have an opportunity to grow up, go right into after his basketball career. Yeah, that's awesome, and especially since he that's the first team we play this season, and the fact that he's involved. We know he's from Arkansas area, from Jonesboro, so that that's good. And we knew the kind of person that he was that he could definitely just you know get it right into anything and work for his life. So I'm really glad you looked him up and found that. That's really cool. Glad, really glad for Ben. So I had to add that because, like I said, it wasn't official to the last time we spoke. So no, speaking of that, of players that are coaches that aren't on here anymore. We know Connor Wheeler was. Uh, kind of like the player development coach or whatever his full official uh, job was. We know he was important. We know we had an overall young staff and he was the youngest on there. We recall his great high school basketball career himself, but no, it looks like he's now, we found out that he's now on SEMO. We found out about him in August via his Twitter confirmed that he's now on SEMO staff now with Brad Korn. So, uh, you know, as we know of our current staff, it's the same crew along with, oh boy, they used to play at Iowa that we know we've had. Maybe he got – I haven't looked. Let's look on the website here to look at the full staff to see what some of their uh, – Yeah, Cyrus well, We know Tony still, Wills Tony Wills is back. Yeah, Tony Wills after Dan gets canned up there. Um, he's back He's back in charge of director of player development. Uh, Vince, Fr- Vince Fritz, um, he is now the director of operations. Um, I think Vince has been around for a little bit. Cyrus is still listed as a graduate assistant. Um, we do know Robbie Dozier's now part now not uh, a part of the staff anymore as well. He took a better job, obviously, um, that anybody that knew him. So, um, yeah, I mean, having Tony back, he was a big – he's a big part of it. He's pl- He played in the Valley, so he knows what to expect. And now him being in that role is pretty cool. Glad to have him back. Yeah, for sure. He So he takes Connor's role, and even Riley Holstead, we know, is our uh, trainer, and he's not on the website, but we know what he does. Important piece as well. So, yeah, I wanted to add that because good for Connor to – I'm sure he's a full-time assistant under Brad, so it's good opportunity for him. Just had to add that in there because, obviously, it's someone losing on the staff. It's, it's something notable. Uh, I mentioned the team numbers, which if everyone has seen, everyone else should stay the same. No, we know Foster is zero, Marcus is one. Scotty, two. Dalton, three. Clarence Rupert is now four. Uh, Lance, still five. Xavier Johnson, number 10. Shout out to his coach. And then who else? Ben Harvey wore 10. JD, still 11. Chris Cross at 12. Jawan at 13. Was that the number he wore in Evansville? No, I think he was uh, one over there. So he's 13. He's lucky 13. AJ Ferguson at 14. JR is now 15. Uh, Cade is 21. Troy is 23. And Trent is still 24. So some new numbers to add in there. Some are placing some others. So that is cool. Had to add that. And then, no, we know, speaking of some of those players, I remember or we, we know Brian does the end the dog pound. And he did one with Trent months back about his, the status of, you know, everything that it's crazy that he's now a senior from what I remember off the top of my head, and they were talking about his back injury that limited him a lot last year and kind of hurt the team at times because we could have easily needed him. We know the Little Rock game last year could have needed him. I don't think 
the game gets out of hand in multiple ways. And from a leadership standpoint, if Trent plays, we know the back end, we harped on him. Uh, so I'm not sure what else was mentioned out the top of my head. We know Jawan also was on it recently, Noah. Uh, and he talked about some things coming from a military family, and they always ask him certain questions. Do you recall – what was the thing that stuck out to you about uh, what Jawan said on there that, that stuck out at all? Yeah, I mean, a guy that obviously um, down in El Paso, under-recruited, Evansville took a chance on him, always had that chip on his shoulder. Um, just talked about how he's came along and now he's played in the Valley and glad to be here. Um, I think he mentioned they talked a little bit about the dog pound that him always coming here to play against against the dog pound, always hearing them chirping, they're always going at it. Um, then uh, talk talk a little bit about facilities. His yeah, talk about facilities. Talk a little about his brother. His brother is at UConn playing, so um, pretty good basketball family, I'd say. For sure, yeah. I mentioned facilities there because he said that he was surprised at how nice our facilities were because as an away player, he had to make that long tunnel walk to the locker room that they do uh, and stuff. So he wasn't sure looking at, like, the dungeon of what their locker room is, and then he looked at everything else and uh, was great with that. So, yeah, you're right. He, he is a cool story, and we know how awesome of a player of a player he was in Evansville. So it was important for him to stick in the Valley because we knew that, you know, Shamar Gibbons, his teammate, went to UTEP, and he had the option of UTEP. So we're awesome. I'm really glad to to see his role on this team, being one of the oldest on the team. So him and then Bruce Weber at this, uh, they had the Saluki tip-off dinner that a lot of alumni were there, Kent Williams, Darren Brooks, uh, Jermaine Dearman. A lot of people, and Bruce spoke with Brian on it in the dog pound, and it was it was cool hearing this. Bruce is a great storyteller. We know that, and actually, I just saw recently that he is on the. He's going to be an analyst on the Big Ten Network. The stories that he was saying, and uh, you know, about the the biggest wins of his career, the biggest loss of his career, how he's traveled the world. How I mean, everyone's probably watched it. If we retweeted it. That was a cool watch. Uh, so yeah, just seeing that how long ago it has been since he was here. He said stories about setting off fireworks on the warmups that they definitely wouldn't allow Brian to do now for that. Brian said they wouldn't allow him to do now and setting off fireworks happened to tell people happened to bribe people with beer to show up to the games before, before it got actually crazy into the dog pound that we, you know, liked for it to be today and how it was whenever Brian was a player. So a lot of good stories with Bruce that everybody needs to go check out on that one. Uh, it's probably the best so far for sure. Uh, I mentioned the funniest teammate posts and the dinner. No, they've had so many other events. We know the team has posted countless pictures, videos of, of warm-ups and stuff. I mentioned that golf thing, and we noticed that Clarence wasn't there. We know he's been with every single other at every single other event that the team has had. It's just, ah, oh, we were narrowing it down, right, uh, if he had a class or just reasons why. Obviously, it's probably nothing of a big deal. But, no, any uh, – you know, we like I said, they've been posting videos and – pictures anything that stuck out to you that you remember about the current or know about the current team about you know certain plays that you've seen maybe some dunks I know we've talked about you know K dunking on a lot of balls we've seen like AJ Ferguson in transition anything that stuck out to you that you've recalled over these videos that's obviously important for knowing about this team going into the season yeah uh just looking just seeing photos and uh videos of this team obviously some of them have been here for a while together, but these transfers already the buying in the way they are. Um, seeing Marcus um, Duncan, seeing him fully healthy, um, 
than just seeing uh seeing AJ Ferguson's build. Um, just looking at him uh, coming from where he came from, I didn't know exactly. Obviously, being here since uh, late June and be able to get in that system, filling out that body that he can now be able to play at this level. Um, but yeah, just seeing the guys, um, exciting. Um, them working hard, it looks like. Uh, just seeing certain guys, and hopefully that can take off. Seeing Foster and seeing Cade, seeing guys that we've been waiting on to take off and get that opportunity to play. Yeah, and we've talked a lot already about like the fits of some of these players. We were talking earlier today about how excited we are for how deep and how athletic that this team is going to be this year. And we will dive into that more as the season gets closer. Uh, it's just, we're really excited about the potential of this team for sure. And I just want to, they've been doing these player spotlights as well. And I'm just going to read the top one on the ones I'm going to start with Scott. It's because that's as far as I'm going to scroll about why they chose SIU. He said it, Scotty said it felt like family. Uh, Xavier said family atmosphere and a chance to succeed on and off the court. Uh, AJ Ferguson, it felt like the perfect fit for me. Uh, what are some more of these? Uh, JD natural cannot, that's his favorite quote. He chose SIU because they're loyal. Troy, he chose SIU because of the atmosphere. So that's obviously a good sign where they picked for that. Mar obviously the guys that have been there, yeah, Marcus, the coach and the fans of why he chose SIU. Uh, I think there was one recently, was there not? It was Cades today. He said the family atmosphere. So pretty much they all, I mean, that's a good sign, right? No, unless <laughs> unless they all just cheating off each other's paper that there's a reason why like he, family atmosphere or like the, you know, dog pound, like the fan atmosphere. I think a lot of that can come into fruition, Noah, because like we said, we take pride in the program that we want to be, that if we can have be really close knit, that we can draw in a lot of, you know, any kind of player to, you know, we how we got Cade. He loved it on – Home, I can't. It's already been a year almost since he's been committed. Homecoming last year, the atmosphere of that, and obviously within the team. Noah, quick thoughts on obviously of that's a good sign, knowing that our team can create that kind of love and loyalty for these players to come in and feel comfortable and obviously succeed on and off the court. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just bringing in. I'm um, obviously you hear it for a lot of our teams. You hear about the football team, just bringing in the coming in this environment and be able to. I mean, these transfers get be able to bond right away, and just it's just one big old family. I mean, um, it's it's exciting to see guys be able to get them on campus and hopefully not let them off because the atmosphere is just it sells them right away. Just like you said with last year at homecoming and Cade, so um, it's exciting. Um, it's big time be able to do that in this you gotta you gotta build this program the exact way and that's what the Mullins and the staff has done. It's amazing. I think it's one of the things that sticks out about our program. And you get it everywhere, but it's it's really important for this area for this team to be to have that kind of, you know, love with their with and within their program. So yeah, for sure. I think that's everything with the team so far. Like I said, they posted multiple times and we'll get into more of this team, like we said, and the rotations of what we would like it to be, you know, as you know, the end of October nears and into the season when we preview stuff, we were going to mention at the end that the next pod we'll, we'll have is whenever they come out with preseason rankings and maybe preseason teams, that'll be coming out shortly. We'll have a pod 
uh, for that as well. But we'll do it for today. I think that's it for the team update until we get to the latter parts of information on this. Noah, now into some recruits. Um, there's one in particular. There's, there's a couple recently, one in particular that we got actually some inside information on. But let's start off with the one that we just saw today, from September 23rd. Looks like a kid who looks pretty talented. There's a picture with his parents and a picture of him on the court with with a jersey on, Noah. As far as obviously just us seeing him right here and now, do we have any information on this kid? Not much of a Twitter account he has. He's followed by Brendan, but we don't really have a whole lot of information on him, do we? Yeah, this is uh, Garrison Phelps. Uh, obviously, if you go through his Twitter um He's retweeted some of the SIU stuff, so maybe that's a good sign. Um, but he's a six-six guard. Um, he's going to play at Linkier Prep, a prep school in Missouri. Um, as of right now, obviously, he got on campus for his his visit. Um, I'm pretty sure it looks like he enjoyed it. Um, right now, he has offers from us, Missouri State, Montana, Texas State, Utah State, and Oakland. So, uh, Utah State, Missouri State and Oakland and us, pretty good programs right there battling for him. But uh, like I said, 6'6 six, six guard, playing at Linkier Prep this year. Um, he's from Phoenix, Arizona, so um, glad to get him on campus. Um, exactly. We've, we have a lot of other recruits that have committed elsewhere. But just looking at 2023 class, Obviously, last year about this time we were getting guys or getting Kate on campus, and he's committing. Twenty twenty three is just a, such a mystery because obviously you have guys and Marcus, Trent, Lance, that it was only last year that COVID scholarships were free. Now next year they would count, so it's hard to. I don't. Obviously, the staff will have an idea, but. It's going to be hard to recruit for this class, not knowing how many spots you have. But obviously, uh, Jawan is one. Um, they probably need to bring in at least two. But, yeah, getting a guy like that on campus, um, he's getting a lot of looks playing at the prep school this year. Uh, love that size and athleticism. Yeah, you're right, because we've heard Brendan – I remember whenever we got Cade last year and he was having interviews and he mentioned it then and that is how they feel now. You're right. 2023 is an odd year because it's it's near like it's nearing the end of the COVID years because we were talking earlier today about how important 23 is. And the coaches have said, Brendan said that we're focused on 2023 and no, not knowing what our team's going to look like. Yeah. With Marcus and Lance, if they use the extra year, obviously it's here or there. That's it's scary to think about. And then now, whatever that could be, we're thinking that they would you know, obviously use the rest of their eligibility for here, but you're right, along with not knowing that or not knowing who we could bring in. Yeah, Jawan was a great ad in terms of a veteran that you just never know how that could work out. So 2023 is odd, but it, like I said, they kind of been focused on 2023, it seems. So, yeah, we saw that one recently. There was another one back on September 21st that Jake Lieberman posted about was Miles Shea out of the Skill Factory, uh, 6'3", point guard looks pretty talented Noah uh he's got offers from UMBC Boston University Mississippi State South Florida Elon SLU Chattanooga and Coastal Carolina and St. Bonaventure had offered him the day before this tweet happened Noah what else do we know on this kid because we've talked about how guards in the future you know because we're going to be 
needing guards next year with the potential of who will be gone and whatever. So it'd be nice to add a, a talent like this. It looks like. I haven't got a chance to see any of his, of his tape at all, but no, what, what else do we know about him? He seems pretty talented. Those are some good offers there. Yeah, obviously a guy that's coming out of the skill factory. They've been pretty good. Um, if you watch, you watch some of his tape, um, really a guy that can do it all at that point guard spot. Um, coming here, a good passer, um, can knock down the ball, but he's really known um, to be that really true point guard. Obviously, you're going to be looking to add maybe a, 2023 has been the really a point guard focused recruiting, looking at recruits. So this is another guy that maybe uh, we add to the list of. We know we got some others on our list to look at. Um, but I think obviously you're so young at the big man position with Scotty, Cade, and Clarence only being a sophomore. So um, – it's going to be a guard-heavy recruiting class, um, depending how many they bring in. But um, that's another guy to look at, along with some others. Obviously, we'll get to it, but we've missed out on a couple guards we would love to have. Yeah, I know. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and say it now before we get into some more of the uh, some more offers that we have. Yeah, Desmond White. We knew that he. Uh, like he transferred to back to where Atlanta to play. And we knew that his offers were going to keep growing. We know Mizzou was an offer for him, Noah, but he went to where Xavier Johnson came from and George Mason that happened about September 10th. That was one we were definitely devastated on. Uh, one of the most recent ones, and we'll get to some others, Kyan Evans, he committed to Colorado state back in August. And there was another kid that committed elsewhere. Uh, Joey Hart, we remember him. He's not necessarily – he's like a – he is a guard. He's probably like a little oversized wing guard. Committed to UCF, so some quality schools. No, we know Brock Harding committed. And then Noah, one of the Rubens. We've been talking about uh, how they're both going to Loyola. And I didn't – I mean, we mentioned earlier about maybe confirming which one did leave Loyola, Noah. And we, we were – had our sights set on them a lot and for a long time. But – which one of those, if you know now, which one decommitted and obviously be in the ear of them potentially in the Chicago area and then who else we uh, lost out on? But Desmond, I think, is the biggest one. Yeah, obviously, um, it was Wes Rubin who decommitted uh, from Loyola. His brother Miles continued or stays committed. So kind of shocking. You thought they would stick together throughout. Um but since then, he's been offered by Western Michigan, took a official visit there, um, took a picture with him. Um, he's been offered by you and I, which never a good thing. Um, hopefully, um, rather him recommit to uh, Loyola with his brother, get him out of the Valley. If we're not, um, not sure if we exactly have gotten contact, I know, um, I think that was a Coach Maman kind of thing. You know, uh, Coach Maman's been on the road committing. So, um, hopefully he stays out of Valley. We know a lot of Valley schools were in on him. Um, so, that's an exciting one. If we can maybe get back into the recruiting process of him. Um, so, that's one to look out for. Um, 
but uh, some another one we have insight on. Um, we can mention is a big one is Kennard Davis Jr. Um, we actually uh, we can we actually were DM by Coach Maman, and he said they had a big official visit this weekend. Um, it was Kennard Davis. He's from Vashon, um, so that's one to watch out for. A really talented guard. I mean, if you can add a kid from that kind of that kind of school, Vashon has produced so many, um, so many good players. Um, I know a lot of Valley schools are after a, a kid like this at six six guard, um, who can do a lot of things, very athletic. So um, that's a big one. I'd say that's maybe our main focus since um, we got him on campus. So that's a big name to watch out for is Kennard Davis Jr. Yeah, I know. We've known about Kenner Davis since, or Kennard Davis since about, you know, June 30th. So it's been a long time about the same with another, or we'll get to him in a second, but yeah, Kennard Davis, you're right. We got a random, it was about August 27th for whatever that weekend was. I guess it was that weekend. It was on Saturday. We got a message from, Coach Maman about Kennard Davis's visit, and we were asking him about it, and if he wouldn't care to give the details, and he said it, and then we're like, "Yeah, we're familiar with him, and you know, it'd be really nice to have." And he said, "We're we said like thanks for," it. and that's when we asked him about the schedule before the, obviously it came out, and he said they were still working on it, which we'll get to one of the games and one of the biggest games we've scheduled in a long time that he, uh, I guess they were in the process of scheduling, but yeah, and I think he. I think the dog pound knew about it as well. I think the dog pound made a <clears throat> a post about Kennard or something. So it wasn't just us that he, we felt special, I guess, for a little bit. We were the only ones he sent up. But yeah, he's special. I mean, for, like I said, if you don't know the status of Marcus and Lance, even if you have them for next year, if you land a kid like this and you plug him in, watching his tape, he's a dog. And you're right. Bradley's offered him. They went to watch him play also, I think. And I, Unless there's other teams in on Noah that are <clears throat> from the conference, Bradley's the only one I'm seeing on his feed, at least. That is one that we know we can't let Brian Wardle get because we lost out on Terry Roberts to Brian Wardle and some other players, I'm sure. But that is one we cannot. He is definitely our biggest focus to 2023. We'll be keeping an eye on him. He hasn't obviously unleashed a date or anything of when he couldn't commit. But, yeah, he, he officially listed the offer on his Twitter on June 30th. And there was another player who's actually verified on Twitter named Tristan Gross from Florida Rebels, 2023. He's got nice tape. He's got nice size. He's kind of slender. No, he's pretty talented. I mean, if you're – I think his header said – or he has a 1,000-point score at his high school. I haven't kept up with him in a while. Just know that he was one of the few. He's got offer from uh, – I think James Madison went to see him and Dartmouth offered him. But And we're one of – he's not that active on Twitter, but we're one of still out of that – post from late June that we're still on his feed. So I'm not sure what other, unless you can look him up and see what other offers he's got. No, I like that one a lot. And, but those were the ones that stuck out most. Cause I think Kennard easily was one of the top ones. I mean, even from around that date, it was around that small stretch of games or st- st- small stretch of days rather that we had some guys like Kyan Evans and this other kid that some guys have already committed elsewhere. So we've already lost out on them, but no, I think those top two are ones we should focus on more. Do you know anything about Tristan Gross? Yeah. Just going on Kennard real quick. Um, right now he has offers. Um, 
from UIC, Missouri State, SLU, SEMO, Western Illinois, oh, San God. Houston State, and Bradley. So, so obviously St. Louis being in this being in that backyard, um, it's going to be tough being in the state of Missouri to get a guy like that. Um, but he's coming from that school. He's going to play in a lot of games where um, probably going to get out of reach for us because being at Vashon, that's a tough – if we can get a kid from that kind of school at a, the city of St. Louis, stealing him from even Mizzou at this point, even though they've been getting a lot. But, yeah, Tristan Gross, uh, 6'5 point guard um, from Clearwater, Florida. Um you name some of the schools. He has offers from Dartmouth, Florida Atlantic, South Florida, FGCU, and Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a pretty good program. Um, so um, some decent schools right there on that list as well. Seems like it's going to be tough to get him out of the East Coast of all. Even Wake, who obviously is over there as well. It's going to be – it would be nice to get him away from that. But it doesn't look like he's going to maybe leave where he's from. You're right on – Canard, and that's what's unfortunate. That's why when Javon, Coach Maman, uh, messaged us, that's you know, it's he seemed really confident, and obviously he's he's doing it to like get us excited. So obviously we are. So it's almost like they knew, and we told him good luck on it. You know, it seemed like he's pretty confident in in the ability to land him. You're right, and I think we already went through before, and I I just had forgotten that it was definitely other Valley schools in on them. The Missouri states of the world scare me, and you're right, slew because of the success they've had. And the success they're probably going to have this year uh, might entice him to go there. We know other Vashon players that have went around the country to big schools, and he's he's next in line. So he is definitely a stud. There's others, and you're right, getting a spreadsheet going at some point because we have been focused on football and stuff that we'll do that over time and we'll get – obviously, if they commit, we'll come out with it. Uh, but over time of the ones that are still standing that we're in on for that year that we'll make one of them, we'll, we'll talk about it later on. So – Kennard Davis is easily the top one after Desmond White had committed elsewhere. So Kennard Davis is the focused right now. So no outside of other high or other offers of any kind. We know there's also years after that, which we're not really focused on right now. Let's talk about it around the Valley a little bit. You know, there's, there've been players that we know throughout the portal have left. I just remember I've stuck on here and I guess I forgot to take off ones that obviously don't matter to us, but former players, we know Illinois state has a brand new team. We'll get to them. We had a, we saw them at the when SIU football was at Illinois State. They were causing a little bit of havoc. Noah Howard Fleming is to Winthrop and Cy Chapman's to Buffalo. Like I said, whether that even matters. I know we went through some players of where they went. It's cool just to know. We know Cy Chapman coming off an injury. Uh, so I didn't take it off there. But, Noah, like I said, we, we saw Illinois State's basketball team talking to the SIU football players and, you know, kind of being told to, like, pipe down what they were saying. Who knows what they were saying? There were fans even saying that, Noah. So that's. That's noted for us whenever we play them twice this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, having part of the administration tell 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 your basketball team to have some class and uh, <laughs> to act act like a have some respect is. Um, and we even saw it. We went down after the game, and the football team was coming off, and the football there was football players asking where the basketball team was at. So. They couldn't have been saying very good things, so um, that's a shame on what Ryan Ryan has done to that program already. If he's letting his players act like a bunch of fools, then when their football team doesn't back that up and gets beat by us, so um, I would if I if I were to say anything to him, it's gonna be same energy. 
once basketball get here. So hopefully we can sweep them this year. It's a great point. It just it, it enhances the rivalry. And not everybody saw it, but we will know about it. And you're right. Football players will be when Illinois State comes to Carbondale, hopefully football players are there and can be able to bark at them a little bit as well. So that'll be nice payback. Definitely had to add that in there. And no, I mean, as I go, we'll talk about some other things here. And I guess over time we'll talk about more. I don't think any other valley, you can just say now if you're aware of any. There was one recently, I guess, whether it's for this year or next year. Uh Valley teams that have added more guys to their current team. We will have a lowdown, obviously, through the season when we preview the matchups. But are you aware of anything? I guess Illinois State to start off with, obviously, if any or anybody, if anybody's added anybody new, like I said, maybe there was one recently that Valpo added this year for next year. Any any that are noteworthy, I guess. Uh, not really. Um, I know a lot of a lot of teams are focused on twenty twenty three, like we are at this point, but um. Other than that, late ads, I mean, there's there's not been any really noteworthy ones that I've seen. Um, I mean, there's been, other than 2023 commits, um, not really anything happening. That would make sense, yeah, because we're getting so close, so you wouldn't imagine there'd be anything that would, you know, benefit them for this season, which is all that really we need to focus on anyway. I just I wasn't sure. But in terms of the current teams here, there was some news over the course of the last couple of months that are noteworthy. No, we know Valpo that they they were the seed that they were last year. They kind of screwed the pooch. They had a lot of veterans. And no, we knew Thomas Kithier was important for them most of the year last year until he was hurt and wasn't able to be his full self at the end and into Arch Madness. No, he suffered a career ending back injury that we know of. And it honestly, like I said, like I just said, there ended his career because he had the potential to come back. And we thought he was for the longest time until we saw somebody uh, say that he wasn't. And then Noah Kobe King was also one of those players. He was granted another year of eligibility, you know, all of a sudden. So whether obviously that was tied into everything with the COVID stuff or anything, but Kobe King is back with Valpo. Wouldn't and definitely no Thomas Kither. Those are noteworthy as well, Noah, because we know Valpo is going to have to fight for wherever they're picked, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to fight for uh, a lot of spots. We know they've added players as well, but probably no one of the, the caliber of Kithier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kithier being um, obviously coming from a team in the big 10 playing big minutes and starting some games for Michigan state. And you saw, I mean, it was, it wasn't exactly him battling through that back injury. But you saw how effective he was. I mean, if you got him the ball in the post, he knew exactly where he was doing and he was going to put the ball in the bucket. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just talking about Valpo, just looking over their team, obviously we'll do a preview here in a, little, here in a couple weeks um, about the whole Valley, obviously, when we get all the preseason stuff. But um, it's going to be Kobe King's show. Um, they've added a lot of – they added some transfers. They've done a nice job. Uh, obviously, Matt Loddick, somehow, some way, he doesn't get a lot of wins, but he still adds some decent talent to his team one way or another. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting team to follow along this year, um, which is Matt Loddick. I mean, a team where if you look at our schedule, we only get once. I don't think they come to Carbondale this year, so – um, that's the only team you'll get to see on the road. This year. One of the teams you'll only get to see on the road this year for the Salukis. True. And 
I feel bad for Lottick because not having a Kithier obviously changes a lot. And you're right, they have added more players. They do, they are, they or they do usually add a lot of quality players, especially from the Big Ten, especially guys that are heavily veteran kind of players. So yeah, those are noteworthy. And then another noteworthy Noah, we we knew Austin Fife was fighting COVID a lot and had some, you know, after after lying, whether that's a word, uh, effects from it. Uh, that you know cost him to be at his best over the course of the latter part of the year and into Arch Madness as well. He is returning because we were kind of he's expected back and healthy. That was according to Elliot Clo, who covers them. I just remember seeing back, and we know you and I. You mentioned how he's in on they're in on one of the Ruben brothers that he committed from Loyola. So maybe they're starting to branch out a little bit with the transfer portal, as we've known. And you they're not going to be as big of a threat. They're not going to – anything can happen just in terms of the the team they were last year compared to what they could be this year. They're still going to be a problem going to their place and all of that. It's just going to – but obviously, no, Austin Fife, who was great to start his career, like I said, kind of hindered him last year. Uh, he will be one of the main cogs that you and I expect to compete this upcoming year. And it's good to see – I mean, we like to see guys healthy. We want to beat teams at their best with their best players. Good to see him healthy, knowing back because he's going to be one of the best bigs in the valley again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know um, really freshman year, AJ Green, him having a great year had a lot to do with five, and you saw him um, make the all valley team. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, they have a lot of young talent, good, really good young talent. So, uh, obviously, with a great coach, uh, probably. Um, the best coach in the Valley, I I would say he's, I would say in my opinion, but yeah, obviously AJ Green, uh, gone, got an opportunity, undrafted, signed with the Bucks, uh, but yeah, I mean they have a really talented young guard and Bowen Bourne we know about, and uh, like I said, they got some young athletic guys on that wing, um, with five back, that's a big time, um, just thinking of. Other updates around their team. Uh, don't know if we talked about it on the last one, but we do know we are guy we are after. I assume we've mentioned it by now, but R.J. Taylor, a 2023 guy, is headed there. So um, another little white guard headed to you and I to be probably a pain in our butts. Yeah, then another guy that's been on – we were in on him and on radar a little bit um, is Richard Barron, a 6'5 guard of the Chicago area. He's going to start to get a lot of power five looks. They've offered him too. So probably out of our area, hopefully he doesn't end up there as well. So, um, but yeah, that's just the overall look of you and I right now. Yeah. I like Richard Barron a lot. We've had our eyes on him for a while. Yeah. He's also offered from other Valley schools and that's kind of been the thing. So the ones that we want, we got to make sure we can get them. Like I said, with Kennard. Yeah. If you're confident, by God, you better land him. So yeah, you and I, I mean, they're always going to be fine. I agree with you. Jacobson is the best coach in the league because he's done it forever. He's done it consistently. Just, you know, when he kind of – team kind of faltered in the tournament or they got the one win and then they got blown out the next one. But other than that, he'll always be consistent. He'll always find a way. We always – in sports, there's always people that find a way, and he does. So, yeah. We'll expect them to be very competitive no matter what. So, outside of that, Noah, like we said, we'll visit – that was just like the key ones. And then we're focused on those specific teams of those players. We mentioned, we'll talk about, about them more as time goes on. We'll have an article real fast that you just saw that retweeted from Harry Schrader about 
generational like ranking like really good players and we'll get into that article here at the end but Noah some other news around we recall the one and only Chris Lowry who we thought was going to join Missouri State staff and Dana Four. that was the case for a while and then we found out however long ago it was maybe a couple months ago that he's now on Northwestern staff so I wonder what could have been the reason why he left Dana because we know he would be like a quote-unquote perfect kind of thing if we added a veteran to our staff if he was willing to come back we know he talked to the team before arch madness a couple years ago and how close him and brian seemed to be we would accept him on ours good thing he's not on missouri state but no he's on northwestern he's kind of bounced around we we thought we saw him at the north northwestern SIU football game don't believe it was him but no he's there and like i said glad that he's out of the valley because it seemed like he'd be wanting to get some kind of revenge and help dana Dana Ford, who looks like obviously he's going to fill a really nice team. So it's good to see that he's out of our conference and at Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously going to Kansas State for that opportunity and uh, now finding another Power 5 school to be involved in. Um, he can always – always been a, a pretty good recruiter. Um, we know what Dana Ford's been doing at Missouri State, so – um, keeping him away from there, probably taking that bigger opportunity for a power five. Uh, been waiting to maybe see. I thought he'd stick around uh, Missouri State for a little bit, maybe to see if he could be their next head coach because it looks like uh, Dana Ford's um, trying to get out of there as quickly as possible if he could have some more success um, getting into the postseason and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's – Look, probably wait and see if he can ever get another head coaching job, but um, find another Power Five school um, is a pretty good opportunity for him. Yeah, good point. Dana will be out the door at some point, especially if they don't live up to what they're supposed to be and in general. Well, if they don't, maybe he won't get the offer. So that'd be the reason why he would leave, but he would leave for a better school. So, yeah, that'll be coming at some point here down the road. Now, no, we know ever since – Obviously, we talked. It's been hundred almost 140 days, about five or six months now, that it also came out with the new Arch Madness schedule that's coming between March 2nd through 5th of, of next year. Uh, and we knew there was going to be a deeper Thursday night, and that's what it is. We'll dive into this quickly of what the new look will be. I don't know if we retweeted it or not. We might have. And obviously, we'll cover it as the season goes on and into when that time comes. But no, the eight versus the nine would kick off a noon game to start that Thursday. Again, the five versus the 12, the seven versus the 10, and the six versus the 11 with this new t- uh, 12 team format. And then obviously, the one, one gets the winner of eight, nine, four of five and 12, two seed of seven and 10, the three seed of six and 11. No, as we've said, and we talked about it ever since we knew that conference was expanding which has been about a year it's been a little over a year now since we knew especially belmont and murray were coming the uic was a little further down after that Noah, how in in terms of like overall thursdays will be a lot more fun obviously when we go to them and because we went to them this past year and thursdays were fun but this is a full game or a full day here with four games that'd be nice but we know maybe how we'll be deemed and picked it'd be nice to get a top four seat obviously to get that by no matter what but it should be another fun weekend in St. Louis. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes um, up there being in St. Louis even better. Um, obviously, being able to see more games in the in the limited days you're up there, there's going to be more more craziness 
the tournament always always something happens and now i mean if you're not a top 4 seed you got to win one more game just to just to win the tournament so it's going to be harder on teams if you want to make a run um we saw it a couple of years ago with Valpo um how tired they were in that second half in that championship game so um it's going to be a lot more teams that way if you're not top 4 seed if you want to make a run um you got to be deep and you got to have obviously you can dig deep and find injury or energy along the way but yeah it's going to be crazy it's going to be good getting to see um hopefully with the hopefully we know there's more teams so and we know these two new teams in Belmont and Murray State travel so uh Enterprise Center is going to have to figure out a lot better seating chart this year Great point. We said that immediately after or whenever we were there in our recap of it that, you know, you replace Loyola's huge fan base with Murray, who's got a great one. UIC, I'm sure, has a really good one. And then, yeah, Belmont's is nice. So, yeah, fitting everybody in there would be very interesting. It's crazy how you go from the top five, don't have to play on Thursday, to now just the top four. So it just goes up one more, but the ever importance of that. Without a doubt, like we said, we will obviously dive into that more as the season goes on and conference season goes on and what the standings could be. It'll be fun. and It'll be a fun year, we're thinking. So, no, speaking of all that, we mentioned how if you want to be a top-four seed, there's already a early prediction by the Blue Ribbon Committee of the Valley. We talked about how our next pod will be whenever the official ones come out, uh, which will be obviously fun to talk about. And, you know, we usually come up with our predictions for that. We might have one before that of predictions. Maybe we could have added that on here. We knew it was going to be long in general, so we might find a way to do that before the official ones come out, have our predictions for it. But, no, let's dive into the, what the Blue Ribbon forecasted on here. We saw this. It was about September 7th. And, no, it's interesting. And that's the easiest way to put it. We're thinking it'll be pretty similar to what the one that will come out officially will be. And, no, it's honestly what we've been talking about before of how – new teams that are honestly about 99% different will be viewed. And Noah, let's dive into this. You know, it's not surprising seeing Drake at number one, but Noah, it's kind of surprising even to us as fans seeing us at number two. And like I said, that's maybe because we're returning about 80% of our team, you know, and obviously we're adding guys that redshirted into the fold perhaps and adding four new players. Noah, us at two, I guess it's kind of surprising. Dive into, obviously, the other surprises on this, and then we'll dive into the – they have an all-conference team player of the year and newcomer. Dive into your thoughts on this and what else or what else it looks like. Yeah, obviously, um, us being at two, we knew Drake. We knew Drake coming into the – obviously, who they returned. Um, they were going to be the favorite, and it's not, it's not surprising to see that. But the team, obviously, the talent we bring back and the talent we've added – um, people are really high on us, so um, that's good to see. Hopefully, um, we can finish because that's obviously gonna be the goal is to win a valley championship this year, and uh, them having us on there. Um, obviously, the surprises you wanna we wanna discuss. Um, obviously, you look at it. Obviously, some turnover in the valley. A lot of teams um, with new new faces. So obviously the teams like Missouri State picked lower than expected. Uh, Murray State's obviously lower, um, but there's also some teams. If you look at them, Bradley. Obviously we know what Coach Wardle does. He just um, continues to. If guys leave, he just replaces them 
Um, pretty crazy what he's done with that team. Um, you got Illinois State with basically a whole new turnover team in there as well. So some teams with a lot of turnover that I know when we do our preview show, we'll all probably pick higher than most people. Um, but um, I think they're a little too low on this list. Yeah, we know the talent. We've talked about what they've added and stuff. And seeing Missouri State on here at 7 and Murray State at 10, those are easily the most uh, surprising without without a single doubt. And you'll get the you'll get the teams like us, Bradley, Belmont, which Belmont is supposed to be. I mean, obviously, they seem like they lost a lot of players, but they'll be really good again. That's the expectation. And then Indiana State's bringing back most of the same team for them with a couple new good players. You and I will be around the – middle so and you got Valpo who picked eighth on here it could be near the bottom it all depends because even Illinois State new coach and everything we talked about them they might be higher and UIC is really talented we talked about how just quickly like we know Demaria Franklin who we were going to prepare for this year really good player he went to Memphis late and he's looking for a waiver to be able to play this year so that obviously changes the outlook on them whether they would focus on that or not and then Evansville at 12, that's probably how it's going to be picked. We know a new coach, but they're going to be a little bit more talented than they were last year. Well coached, not as boring. They're going to be a lot more exciting and, you know, probably looking to upset throughout the season. So, yeah, uh, Murray State and Missouri State are definitely surprising. They won't finish at those spots. We can almost guarantee that. But, like I said, it's because they're about 99% new squads that they the Valley wants to reward teams that stuck together. And Drake's definitely that, and I would say we are in Bradley as well. So uh, so it's all wait and see for sure. That's just what it comes out with, and that very well could be it. No, they had an all-conference team prediction. Ben Cricky, we know one of the best bigs in the Valley, uh, will lead Valpo, him and Kobe King this year. They have him on here. They have our Marcus Damask on here, not surprising, thinking that will definitely be picked that way. Tucker DeVries, who is on here as the player of the year, and – highly touted around the whole country. DJ Wilkins, his teammate, we know he's talented. He returned. He's one of those returnees. And then Cooper Nice, you know, that's kind of – we know Cooper had a strong regular season finish. We know he kind of struggled to score in the games. We remember watching them in Arch Madness and had, a you know, a couple bad turnovers that maybe cost them that game against Illinois State. Uh, you no, know, I'd say our predictions will be a, a lot different than this. I can say definitely two of those will be on the team – on the all-conference team that we would pick. And then player of the year should be picked that, as it probably will be. Know your thoughts on those, and then give us who the newcomer of the year, which people are really high on as well. Yeah, obviously, um, it's it's interesting. Um, obviously, Cricky is a, is a really good big man, but I have a feeling if you have Bradley finishing third, I would say that's going to be led by Rink Mass, and it would be hard to lead him leave him off the first team if they're finishing top three in the Valley. Um, then Cooper Nisi, yeah, he's a really good guard. Um, we'll talk about this guy a little bit later, but there's a guy at guy up Belmont who they have finishing fourth that I think will probably end up on that team. Um, but yeah, newcomer of the year, Rod Perry, Murray state, a lot of people high on this guy. Um, very talented player. You make a great point there that, you got to be able to make what the standings will be in the coordinates to maybe the best players on those teams and what they did. I know some guys might be, <clears throat> excuse me, like absolute stat stuffers and you can't leave them off per se, but they didn't really do that in the coordinates. And that's what we'll try to do. And hopefully that's what they do whenever they actually pick everything. So, yeah, 
that was just a small sneak peek because we noticed it and ha- seeing us at two definitely caught our eye. So I feel like that was worth discussing before we talk about uh, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. And then Noah, there was something we saw that Harry Schrader posted earlier that you retweeted on ours about his opinion on. I know we're diving into some players now, but just to give people a, a you know a short preview of some players that has caught the eye of Harry Schrader and some guys that we will be uh, having to keep an eye on ourselves this year. The next generation stars, and he had 10 through 1, Noah. Obviously, there's one player on here that sticks out to us most, but dive into some players that are on here that we'll have to keep an eye Some players – mention players that we know about and then some, some new players that we'll mention again down the road. Yeah, obviously, um, we know some of them. We just mentioned one, um, Ben Crickey. Um, he had him at, I believe, at nine. Then Bowen Bourne was at ten. Obviously, Bowen Bourne, um, a guy that came in, uh, know he could score. We know what he did. He was the former Mister Basketball in the state of Iowa. So, um, guys like that. Um, he also mentioned that Kobe King should be considered when he mentioned Cricky. Um, that's another name to watch out for. But uh, number seven, uh, a guy not a lot of people know about. Um, he goes by Voss Voss McCauley. A guy Coach Shirts very familiar with. He was a Division II All-American for him back at Lincoln Memorial. He went to DePaul. Now he's now he's going to um, play for Coach Shirts again at Indiana State. A six-five guard grad transfer. Um, so pretty good, talented scorer. Um, he can he can play at six-five and play that two through four position really. Then Roman Penny mentioned right there. Rink Mass, another one at five. Um, then mentioned Rod Perry. That's another one to watch out for. At four, he had Donovan Clay. That's a, a guy you really like. Um, probably going to be maybe defensive player of the year, um, preseason maybe. Then at three is our Marcus Damask, obviously him being in the top three, another one. But a guy I just mentioned earlier that I think not a lot of people know about end up on that All-Valley team is Ben Shepard at Belmont. A guy that's coming in, obviously they lose a lot, and uh, they're two all all stars in the OVC and Grayson Murphy and the big and the big man Nick Mazinski. So um, losing those two guys, I think Ben Shepard can come in there at six six guard who rebounds and is electric in the open floor. He can really shoot the three ball. That's going to be a really guy. Really, really, I see it hard to leave off. Uh, once the season plays along, probably then obviously number one, Tucker DeVries, he's going to be the favorite by far uh, preseason. Yeah. It's not going to be as much of a uh, unanimous kind of thing, even over the course of the season, maybe as his was for his rookie for his freshman of the year. That was about as unanimous as it got. You're right. I mean, I like Donovan clay and because he's obviously him and Carper, are the only guys that have stick, stuck around on that team that Dana Ford was touting him as the Valley's player of the year, according to Harry. So he's going to have a huge year, and you're right. Rod Perry and uh, Voos and then – or Voss and then uh, Ben Shepard are names that people are going to want to know whenever we play them. So cool little article there to give people a sneak peek of some new, some new faces and some players that we'll have to worry about this year, Noah. I have a couple separate topics here before we get into the important stuff of it to end this thing out. We noticed that over time, uh, it was really cool seeing because we know Tyler Smith, Peters, former alum, knew his role here. We loved him as a, you know, as a player here. He's a local kid, had a great high school career and a really good 
He was former sixth man of the year, had a really good career at SIU. You know, we know he's been on the staff of his brother, Kyle, who was the head coach of John A for about a decade. He went on with Dennis, with Dennis Gates to Mizzou. So guess who took over for him? His little brother, Tyler Smith-Peters. No, it's a great opportunity for Tyler because he's landed guys that SIU was in on. Kurt, Kurt Lewis is there that we were in on, and he added a nice USI player that's there. And he's got, obviously, some players return and some other local kids. No, shout out to Tyler. Great opportunity for him. It's a big deal. It's a big job. And he's able to land a couple of players. And you know John A. very well and know what they have to offer maybe for next year. Tyler's got a good team going in next year, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a he's got a good mix of players coming in. Um, I like what, obviously, um, two guys that we know pretty well uh, and we were in on and Kurt Lewis, um, that's a guy – to watch out for. He has a couple of USI transfers. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has, he knows what it takes. He's been through the day-to-day stuff with his brother for a couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, it takes a lot to run that program. I don't know exactly um, other candidates they had for the job. Obviously they probably had some, but he was the guy for the job and expect him to do well. He has a very talented team. So um, great opportunity for him. Maybe hopefully he's there for a long time. Um, if he has success, um, hopefully when they get to their postseason tournament in their big tournament, the national tournament, um, he can have more success than his brother did because his brother never won a game once they got there. That's a good point. He was really good in the regionals and then when we get there, he would falter with great teams. You're right. We wish Tyler well and his success there. And yeah, hopefully he is there for a long time. Shout out to him. No, I mean, and some other news here. We mentioned Dennis Gates and Mizzou. We haven't talked about it since it happened. We talked about, you know, other former Valley players going elsewhere. Isaiah Mosley to Mizzou. Clearly that's a big deal. He's projected to start on that team. We know Noah Carter's there. We know, uh, oh boy, from John A is there. Help me with his name. Sean East. Sean East is a stud. They're going to be fun to watch this year. And Isaiah's leading the way there. Uh, definitely had to add in there, had that in there because it was just shocking to know that Dana would let him go because we know the whole NIL thing that he would have had a big opportunity at Missouri State for NIL and stuff that he ended up going there and he's from that area and stuff and he's well thought after, thought after in that area. So He's going to be great, and we'll be following Mizzou because they got a lot of players we're familiar with. They're going to be talented. They added a lot of other good players with Kyle Smith, Peter Storm, and that staff. It's all coming full circle from this area and from associated with this area with players that are going to Mizzou. Or no, do you have any quick thoughts on that? Like I said, he's going to be – he might be – I don't know if he'll be – I wonder who their best player is going to be this year, but Isaiah could obviously be the lead scorer with ease. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – the way Dennis Gates has put together that staff, I mean, they're already landing big time uh, commitments for 2023. Um, that's going to be interesting how they do uh, in the SEC. I mean, maybe Isaiah wins newcomer of the year in that, and whatever, uh, in whatever, uh, whatever they call their newcomer of the year. Um, but uh, on yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully. Um, get to watch. I know the SIUE plays at Mizzou this year. I think SEMO plays at Mizzou. So, so, so some teams we're, we're familiar with um, that we know a lot about will get the opportunity to play them. 
I mean, they have a loaded team. When you're talking about they got the two top JUCO players in the country and big man Mohamed Diara from Garden City Community College at 6'10". Um, then you add Sean East. Then you add guys. I mean, they're loaded. I can't wait to see them. They all added some Cleveland State guys in there. Uh, DeAndre Golson from Milwaukee. Like you said, Isaiah Mosley will be there as well. Um, along with Noah Carter, like you just said, but Shawnee's leading the way on that team. Expect him, Noah Carter, and Isaiah Mosley, three former Valley players, to play a big role in the SEC this year. For sure. And just uh, thinking about how we obviously played them a couple of years ago, and this would have been a fun year to play them for sure. And as Illini fans as well, it'd be fun for the bragging rights game to see those players against what the Illini have to offer as well. So, had to add that in there. Well, good luck to Isaiah, except when he plays the Illini. And then, no, I just saw – I remember Kentucky took an early Bahamas trip, you know, those typical off-season things, and Antonio Reeves won the MVP of that. We know we've talked about him going to Kentucky. It's going to be pretty pivotal. And I also saw recently, Noah, I didn't see how long he'd be out. Oscar Shibway for Kentucky had, like, a knee procedure, some kind of procedure. He might be ready for the regular season – but obviously, no, that's the reigning national player of the year and having Antonio Reeves on top of him. Because Kentucky's highly touted this year, and if Antonio's winning the MVP of that, of their whole team, when Oscar was healthy and it works, it's going to be so fun. And we'll get to some other Valley players here shortly. I'll let you dive into those three that we have. One's a former player, one from the previous two years. Antonio's going to also put up points in the SEC. No, and I can't wait. Imagine seeing those matchups because they went to battle for a long time, Isaiah and Antonio, when Mizzou plays Kentucky. That'll be fun as well. We can't wait for a lot of these games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, seeing Antonio strive, obviously how close we were to get getting that kind of talent on our our team, just barely missing out on him. Um, thought he was coming for the longest time. Um, now to see him, yeah, I also seen Toshiba, I think, uh, Calipari said it wasn't a big deal, so expect a full recovery. But, yeah, you mentioned those guys that's moved on now uh, in the NBA opportunities. A.J. Green went undrafted, thought he could be a second-round pick. Um, he, he got a great opportunity, the Milwaukee Bucks and that organization, to pick him up um, probably in the G League this year. Um, I've been watching a little bit of preseason. He's been doing pretty good. Um, another guy that Kind of surprising when undrafted. I um, mean, Lucas Williamson. Um, they obviously he's going to he signed undrafted with the Clippers. I mean, that, with that organization as well, um, incredible opportunity for him to go undrafted. And a guy that obviously former MVC player transferred went to Wake Forest and Jake Laravia, first round pick by the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies he played pretty well. Watched some preseason games of his um, and some summer league action. So uh, three guys, former Valley players um, at the next level. Pretty cool to see. Um, hopefully we can have one of our guys get that opportunity at one day. Just imagine if LaRavia, who gave us fits as a freshman, stayed on with shirts and emerged as that player. I mean, he was doing that in the SEC just he was on he was on a really good team, but he was putting up numbers against everybody. And seeing him draft in the first round just shows you maybe Greg Lansing shouldn't have got fired because he can produce these kinds of players. It's crazy thinking about what we remember about him and Josh is the man now. If he would have bought in with him, we would have had more problems with Jake. But him doing that where he did 
drafted. I mean, that's a big deal. And you're right. Hoping that we can have players like that over time. Jake just emerged as this absolute force. So yeah, just and to, I'm in, just ahead. real quick to kind of wrap my overall thoughts on these side topics. SEC is going to be fun to watch. I mean, you saw Laravia strive last year going to the SEC, and now what he become. And uh, now looking at the players transferring to the Valley or transferring from the Valley to the SEC, going to have to follow along this year. I mean, we just talked about Mosley to Mizzou, Carter to Mizzou. Uh, we just talked about Antonio striving at UK already. And uh, people forget Tyreek Keys at Tennessee. That's another player to follow along. Um, so the SEC just following along former Terry Roberts to Georgia too. Yeah. That's just SEC still in Valley players. So, um, hopefully we don't have any stolen off our team after we have success this year. Or we can steal from their players. Maybe as time goes, I keep, I do forget about Tyreek a lot because he's coming off the injury, but I also just hit me with Terry Roberts. So that is a little crazy. We'll be following, following all those guys. Uh, all right, Noah, yeah. So over time, we'll keep people updated with the Valley and other side news. This is stuff accumulated over the last five or six months that we kept and added just to talk about because some of it is, you know, kind of cool and exciting for those players for what they did. So now, no, let's dive into the main stuff here. We know media day for the Valley was on September 21st. Marcus, Lance, and Trent went with Brian to, you know, support or uh, whatever the word is uh, for us. Obviously, they took pictures with the trophy. They took some media in. I wasn't able to get a hold of any media or any videos. Harry Schrader sat down with every coach, but then some of the audio that he provided wasn't great. And, of course, the one with Brian, you'd have to turn your volume, even your volume all the way up and everything. It was hard to hear, so I just gave up on the potential of it. We know Brian probably with knowing that keeping things close in general, not like spewing anything major. I'm sure he didn't to Harry. It depends what kind of questions he would have asked. I don't know if you listen to that as well, no, but that gave us a sign at that point. These are our three guys, and we talked about potential of keeping them on, you know, next year that the this is our core. This is the core that has transcended, you know, just in terms of the new era of this program. It's sad to see them here because in a blink of an eye, Noah, they're already in their fourth years. And if they take that fifth year, Noah, they were they were representing us the right way at Media Day. That was cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully um, it's not the last time this year we see him with that trophy. It'd be awesome um, to see. Um, yeah, I mean, seeing – obviously I tried watching the Harry Schroeder thing too, um, but I think I – I seen a read an article of Adam Wells did of uh, WPSD local six, uh, the news guy, um, some quotes from uh, Brian here. He said, um, he said, uh, I love the core group that we have coming back, and we're able to add some new guys to the team. I think it's a great mix. I think we'll be able to play different ways. I think we have a lot of experience on the, our roster, but we also have some underclassmen, some freshmen, some sophomores that I love. It's built. It's built where we can hopefully have success this year and continue to sustain it in the years coming up. Um, then uh, Lance said, me, Marcus, and Trent, with us being here for four years and seeing this thing from what it was to what it is now, it definitely gives me a lot of confidence. I feel like the new guys at transferred are molding well. I just think it's going to be a good year for us. So I um, appreciate Adam Wells doing some covering. Like I said, um, other than the Harry Sherwood thing, there wasn't a lot of SIU coverage of media day. 
Good call on that and finding that. Yeah, we wanted some kind of information that came from that. So good job on that. Uh, now, no, let's dive into uh, the secret scrimmages that we recently knew about and we made a tweet about, about the caliber of ones that we have. It's it's quite awesome. Jeff Goodman from the stadium had it for every conference and every team, Noah, in the country. And looking at ours, we'll, we'll even quickly dive through some important secret scrimmages that other Valley teams are. But let's focus on ours. They're nice. They're really nice, actually. Starting October 22nd, we get Kansas State in Kansas City. No, we know we talk – we'll get into ties maybe for one of our matchups this year in the regular season, whether it mattered or not. And I'm not saying it did for this one necessarily because obviously Bruce is back and we've had some guys go to Kansas State. It has no ties there, but it's just ironic is the main point I'm getting at. No, Kansas State, and then a week later, we're at Alabama in Tuscaloosa against Alabama who – has been good in recent years. I don't know if they'll be deemed as good as they had been, but either way, they're always athletic, really good. I really wish we could watch these. No, it's a charity exhibition apparently, so a week apart getting really two quality exhibition matchups because it's by far better than any other uh, than any other Valley team has to offer in terms of caliber of that because we're also thinking we don't have an exhibition this year. We were talking about that earlier. Maybe this can make up for – the lack of that and being battle-tested right away for these matchups. We haven't heard anybody talk about this. This is just straight off of this. But, Noah, those are some great opportunities to warm up for us this year before the regular season hits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kansas State's an opportunity where you can probably go win that game. Obviously, Dems refresh, new program, new coach, um, a lot of turnover over there. So, excited about that. Um, then ex- – Playing a team like Alabama, I mean, this is a team that's had success. Nate Oates has done a great job. Um, I think they had the, if I remember correctly, they had the third overall recruiting class coming in. So that's incredible that you're going to get to play against that kind of talent. We know Nate Oates loves bringing in transfers as well. So interesting to see what happens there. Um, But just before we, we talk about the schedule here upcoming, We won't in a little bit, but um, this may be our only exhibition. There is no exhibition on our schedule, so maybe this is our exhibition. Don't know that for a fact, Um, but usually we see an exhibition on our schedule when it comes out, but um, this is a big opportunity for us. Can't wait. Um, Hopefully, maybe since that's an exhibition for Alabama, um, there's maybe some kind of stream or at least stats. Hopefully, we can find a way. Maybe we message Javon Maman maybe that way since we um, he DM'd us first we'll continue uh, talking to him maybe a little bit see if we can find out how these went but yeah Kansas State an opportunity to go win against a big tail team then um, just a great opportunity to go play um, one of the top teams in the country in Alabama yeah I think because if we talked about the exhibition potential of you know, usually we've we actually have had some close matchups in these exhibition games. Usually it can be a blowout or something, but even if you like you said, Kansas State with a new coach and everything, they're gonna be good. We we you know seem like we would like our chances a little better, obviously, than going. And that's a neutral site. Kansas State can bring more fans there, and uh, Alabama will be very tough. Just battle tested games, and you're right, we might get in touch with Coach Maman to see if we can get some stats from that. Uh, because that'll be pretty vital. Usually exhibitions, we can. We know the secret scrimmages last year was with what? In Indianapolis with Purdue, Fort Wayne. 
So, I mean, it's – and that when we we knew that we played them closer than what we should have and stuff. So, hopefully we can find out about those. It's just a great warm-up because outside of that, out, you know, in other parts of the Valley, actually UIC starting theirs against Eastern Michigan and Imani Bates, what we talk about. We mentioned him because he went there, although, you know, he we know he's dealing with stuff. So, in three days, UIC will be playing theirs. That's the first one on the board. Belmont on the 21st. Any Tennessee State, other notable Bradley plays on the 29th against SLU. Or Roberts with Drake in Kansas City. Evansville doesn't have any, neither does Valpo. Uh, there's nothing of the caliber. Missouri State's at Wichita, Murray at Akron, Indiana State uh, neutral against Youngstown State, and then Duquesne at Cedarville University for Illinois State. So, I mean, by far the best out of any of them. So I guess that's a good sign. Bradley and SLU will be a great one as well. So, like I said, a good warm-up to the to the bigger thing, which is this conference schedule, Noah, this whole schedule, non-conference into conference, uh, which, as we know, we like I said, we mentioned it to Coach Maman about when it was going to come out, and then it finally did. They were ironing out details. Noah, right away, which do we recall at the time whenever we scheduled at Little Rock that maybe this is just adding them for a revenge game? It obviously wasn't. Maybe a home and home. Do we recall if that was that, or this just a spur of the moment hosting no, that, Little Rock on November seventh? It was a home and home, I believe. I mean, uh, and obviously, it's going to be revenge at this point. Of one, we went down there last year. Actually, got to go down there, and yeah, I mean, a home and home against them. They are joining OVC, so um, it's interesting there. So, obviously, with those with no actual exhibition besides those secret scrimmages that kicks off your year. So on the 7th of November on a Monday night at 7 PM, uh, got to be ready for some revenge and do and do what they did to us last year and start the year. Yeah. Turn them over. What? 23 times that we had in that game. That was just one of the worst starts we can remember. And, one that we knew we wouldn't we, – you know, we were kind of up and down, obviously, last year, but knowing that maybe that wasn't the team we would turn out to be because 20-something turnovers doesn't happen all the time. So, yeah, for sure, revenge, depending upon what kind of team they're going to have and where they'll be picked in the OVC, we'll be following that, obviously, as the matchup comes. Now, I know the second game of the year, which is the biggest one. It's one that I guess was percolating over time, the one they were talking about, about big matchups, and we were expecting – over the last month or so about what it could be. We knew, had a feeling it was going to be a big one, and Noah, it was. Oklahoma State Cowboys, we are having a two-for-one with them starting, and they're our second game of the year at Stillwater on November 10th. Noah, let's dive into this matchup. Brian had some notes on it, and, and Brian, Mike talked to him specifically about, obviously, how it came to fruition, and he pretty much just said, Noah, it was a – it was a dates thing that it kind of just they needed a game, we needed a game. I know how convenient is it that obviously we know Barry Henson is there who leads their NIL. There are a lot of questions about obviously the reasons why we added them. It had to have been because of Barry. Brian kind of went around it. Mike kind of acknowledged it when he was on in the dog pound that I think Barry had a small part in it. Just like ex- you know, if they were asking him about it, is this the right thing to do with it being his old school? He kind of like signed off on it per se. But, no, obviously it's pretty ironic, and Oklahoma State's going to be a nice team this year. No, dive into your thoughts on getting a team like this. Like I said, a two-for-one, it's it's awesome, especially for next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously going through this schedule, there's some dates that we had to fill, 
and that we weren't able to get actual quality opponents. So you see some on there. Obviously, they stick out. But being at Brian to be able to get this schedule himself um, is absolutely, like he said in his interview with Mike, that there hasn't been a Power 5 program come to the arena since 2008 when he played here. You don't see – it doesn't happen very often. Like I mentioned probably several times on this podcast, and we've talked about it, the only really Power 5 team that I see travel to actual opponents is North Carolina, which I'm a Tar Heel fan, so I see it. Uh, I mean, Tar Heel fans come – Tar Heels have came to the Valley before. They are number one, and they went to Northern Iowa, and they got knocked off. Um, so they travel all the time. They do it in football too, so it's crazy to see. You don't see it very often. But Brian said in his interview, hopefully the way we're building this program and once we start having some postseason success and going deeper into the tournament, that you may see it a little bit up. Two-for-ones don't happen very often, Mike said, so we don't see it. We used to shy away from it. Um, but I like it. Obviously, Brian said that they were unhappy really with the home schedule, not being able to get some of these um, quality games for the – the home fans, because we're on the road a lot, we're obviously in that SoCal challenge, but um, the slew game getting stolen away from home this year. Um, now we have it next year at home, and having Oklahoma State come to the arena next year, um, they're going to be a quality basketball team. We know that um, they're a pretty good team. I think they have some transfers coming in. They have guys from last year and former and like Bryce Thompson and a guy you know well, um, pretty well, a big man there, and Musa Cisse, the Memphis transfer. So uh, Mike Boynton has that program trending in the right direction. We know um, last year they caught up, probably could have snuck in the tournament, but they were banned because of the Cade Cunningham issues. I guess in that recruiting class they were uh, banned. So um, they let him in when Cade was there, but after that, they were, I think it was a one-year thing. So they're eligible for the – so this is a big opportunity to us, especially um, early in the year before you get into that SoCal challenge stuff. Yeah, I think it – K going there rejuvenated that program. We know they've been good in the past. Being Illini fans, we know Brad Underwood was there a while back. And they have some good alumni. And you're right, we know some of their players. And I think John Rothstein had them in like at their his power 39 – or 39th and his power 45. So they're going to be a quality team. Can't wait to talk about them. And you're right. They talked about how, because Brian noted how home and home games, no one wants to do them really anymore. So it was tough, as you said, with getting some home games, but Mike asked him has, that's the only way you can get power five schools to come here is if you go there twice, but they can come there once. You're right. It hasn't happened in a long time. And, it's a great opportunity for the fans, and that's what Brian pretty much acknowledged. That's it's going to be awesome next year for it. I know that's next year, and we'll cover it then. But just knowing that this is the, uh, you know, the contract that we have with them, and you know, knowing that Barry's there, like I said, it was immediately known that we would say, "Oh, Barry had a lot to do with it." But you know, whether I don't think they would ever display that because if with the job that he is now, that he could get in trouble for something. I would assume not. They said that him and their coach are really close and stuff. So I, like I said, he kind of just signed off on it. It's just a great opportunity because COVID I think, and they, they talked about this a little bit that COVID has kind of ruined the potential of some of these kinds of games or, you know, the ability, you know, a lot of travel has mixed up with it and stuff. And 
we recall we always play good teams. We played at Louisville. We played at Kentucky. And then COVID hit. We're going to play at the Louisville thing. And then everything's been pushed back. We know we got Butler, but it hasn't – haven't really had a big game outside of the tournament last year and even this year. So it's nice to get back on the road to get, you know, another high-powered team or, you know, matchup in a power five. So it's a, it's a great game. And Brian talked about uh, – he said, with the addition of two extra Valley games, top to bottom, this year's schedule is one of the most challenging in a long time. To have multiple quad one opportunities in non-conference was important to us and something that is not easy to achieve. Uh, and as you said, which I guess, like I said, over time we'll talk more about Oklahoma State. It's just getting our initial thoughts on it because obviously it's a big one and knowing that they come here next year, we'll worry about that at the time and then we finish there. And they will be paying us. We talked about how obvious they'll be paying us to go to their place twice. Uh, not sure how it works with the whole them coming here, but no, as we know, we'll get paid a little bit for that. So uh, those are our thoughts on the Cowboys over time. They will be very hard team. And you're right, right before the SoCal, uh, but second game of the year, that'll be really fun, Noah. And then our next one, three days later at USI, who, as we know, is new to the OVC uh, and will have the, you know, D2 to D1 ban for five years, but they'll be competitive right away. No, we know we signed a uh, a contract with them as well, and that's on a Sunday game, which we're looking to hopefully go to in Evansville. Surprising, Noah, because this ties into the fact that they probably would have been one of the best teams we would have played at home this year, knowing our home schedule we'll get to. It's odd being there right away. Brian talked about how it's tough to get those initial home games and no one wants to come to Carbondale right away, oddly. But obviously, we'll do anything. So going to USI, no, that's a nice matchup. One we expect to win, but knowing that they have a nice, you know, a new gym over the course of the last couple of years, and they're nice, and they'll hopefully be competitive in the OVC. We like that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an opportunity. We talked about them um, a lot. Um, obviously, coming into this, it's a they're coming here three years in a row after this year. So it's a three for one that we were told. So um, the coach over there has it going. They have some transfers coming in. Um, obviously, Sam Mervis from Indiana State that we know about. Um, they have a Michigan State transfer. Um, they have some other guys. They have some transfers coming in. They had two guys transferred to John A. locally, but um, – Trevor Lakes, who we were in on a couple of years ago, Nick Hiddle, um, who we know from Indiana State. Um, so also a guy that back under the um, Barry Henson era, Jeremiah Hernandez, who went to Kent State, we were in on. So a couple guys that I'm familiar with, pretty solid team. I mean, obviously it sucks. We saw uh, Bellarmine win their conference tournament this year, not be able to go to the tournament, which sucks. but. Um, because right away, I mean, a team like that, they can be pretty decent in OVC, but there's no chance of them playing in postseason. So I like the opportunity. I like getting it. Um, obviously, there's other teams we'd like to have on the schedule, but I like that. I mean, if it takes them, us going there once, to them to get three home games. So at least that'll be in the next couple of years, a solid home game we'll have on our schedule. For sure. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that, for us, even as fans, it's nice. Obviously, if they were at home, we'd be able to just go there. But we always love going on the road. So going 
to Evansville like we go to every year when they play that Purple Aces. That going there is a nice matchup. And like I said, a game we expect to win, hopefully. But, yeah, they will be on the up and up over time. That five, because you're right, you know, some of those other schools that have won but not able to go. So the team that they beat or whoever got to take their place. So it's like, okay, don't even let them in the tournament kind of thing. So it's unfortunate. That'll be a long five years for them, but it is what it is. We like that game. And then Noah, our other, our second home game of the year is a team that's in the SoCal Challenge, but we're getting them at home before we make the trip. Uh, I mean, by far outside of Little Rock, and they're about neck and neck, and none of them are like the best, obviously, home games. Uh, Tennessee State, Noah, I mean, we'll get into them as time goes. Like I said, they're in the SoCal Challenge. That would be an okay home game if you had other good ones, but we know the home slate. Uh, like I said, probably neck and neck with Little Rock, wouldn't you think, for probably our best, and then dive in. We already talked about the SoCal matchups and the potential of it. We have a little bit more information on the SoCal challenge, maybe. Dive into Tennessee State and then what we have for the SoCal and the potential. Yeah, Tennessee State, um, a quality – I'd say a quality team out of the OVC. Um, they have some guys that we're familiar with um, that we follow along through the transfer portal that maybe we've uh, reached out to. I just know one that's played in the Valley, um, and Diedrich Boyd, and we know who that is. Um, an Illinois State guy uh, who went to Eastern Kentucky. Now he's at, or yeah, an Illinois State player that went to Eastern Kentucky. Now, now at Tennessee State, so that's one to watch out for. Um, just some other guys that I'm familiar with because of the transfer portal. Junior Clay, a Tennessee Tech guy that uh, we reached out to a little bit this year. Um, Zion Griffin, a couple of years ago, an Iowa State guy um, from out of Chicago we were in on. He went to Oakland. Now he's at Tennessee Tech. And another guy um, we were in on a couple of years ago before we got J.D. is Juco guy, and now he's a grad transfer from Northern Illinois, is a Dong McCoy. So um, um, guys we're familiar with, a quality OVC cool, pretty good. I mean, obviously they're on the other side of the OVC or the, the SoCal Challenge, so. Yeah, decent opportunity at home there. Obviously, other than Little Rock, your home schedule is not good. So I'd say Tennessee State is probably your best one. Um, but other than that, a little bit more information we have about the SoCal Challenge. Tickets are on sale if you want to buy them. If you want to make that trip out there at the end of November, I know it's hard. It's going to be hard. I mean, get your five-hour energy your monster energy, whatever you take to stay up late at night because UNLV on the 21st, Monday night, it's a 12 a.m. Central time tip-off. Then when if you win, you get Minnesota. If you lose, you get Cal Baptist. You'll either play at 9.30 p.m. or midnight. So um, I assume if you win, you get the 9.30 game. And if you lose, you'll be playing at midnight again. So um, – Whatever you prefer, coffee, five-hour energy, it's going to take a lot to stay up that week. Yeah, when we saw that, which, like I said, we've known about SoCal Challenge for months now, but knowing the times of it, we know it's in California. It's just crazy that, you know, they're starting games, what, at 2 o'clock? Like, they need to start them earlier than that or noon or whatever it is, start them way earlier to fill in all the games so they got to know their – you know, the people that are going to be watching and rooting for the, their demographic of fans here that aren't going to go, that have to stay up and watch their team at midnight. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, 
you know, we're willing to do it for as long as we can. We'll have whatever we need to stay up that late. It's just unfortunate. But, yeah, that UNLV game that we talked about and we'll get into when it gets here will be a good one because now that you're at Oklahoma State, we'll get to another one with SLU. These are really good, you know, opportunities. And if you can beat a UNLV team, then, yeah, you get a Minnesota team. And that just adds even more to the potential of your net and your quad one opportunities like Brian's been talking about. We know Minnesota, as Illini fans, we know Minnesota huddles around, you know, middle to bottom. But that still is what – it's like how we deem Northwestern in football. They were good. They're not. But they're still a Big Ten school. So that's how we got to look at it. We got to make sure we get that matchup. If we beat UNLV, which will be tough. They'll be picked probably in the half of their conference. So it'll be interesting. I, Cal Baptist is a team we got to beat if it doesn't work out that way. Got to make sure we get that done. But, yeah, we got to make sure we play the biggest teams possible. We want to fill this schedule to the brink of quality teams like that, Noah. So there's all th- – by the way, I don't I don't have the information on this, whether you do. We know that NIL, there was an NIL opportunity with this. There was a picture that you sent to me about it months back, and I thought I saved it. I don't. I just know there's some NIL opportunities here. Do you know anything about that off the top of your head at this moment? Yeah, I think I, um I think I still have it if I look here real quick. Um obviously it's an opportunity um for whoever's in um in in the tournament, um, it's a creation of NIL Collective to help drive revenue opportunities for participating student-athletes um, for year two of the MTE gets underway. So it's uh, we'll offer teams fundraising opportunities locally in their own markets through alumni events and such and golf outings, which will establish a broader opportunity to raise money in the SoCal area, SoCal area specifically to build revenue to share with all eight teams um, so just some other NIL stuff. Um, uh, just is basically, um, it doesn't do a lot. Basically, it's driving money, I guess, for college athletics and to share the team. Um, they said the found, the founder of the SoCal Challenge and longtime NCAA coach said, our goal is to be the first MTE to bring the opportunity to our teams, knowing that NIL will continue to be the driving force in the future of college athletics. So it's going to opportunities for all participating student athletes um, to really the creation of collective will enhance the, the SoCal challenge brand, obviously, and in their own locally and in the market. So really not a whole lot of like, other like big time like per student athlete able to it's basically an athletics thing so obviously the more money they raise the more money the shares of each of the teams is that's cool yeah knowing that they're one of the like we want to be the first to install that kind of thing that's why i think it's important for us to think because it's good for the players and people that don't know about that yet that is that is really cool and potential for the players. So it's something we had to add there. Hopefully that all works out in the favor for all the athletes involved. So good job on finding that again. And then Noah, moving on now to end the month of November. This is where we start our early conference games. We know we did it on December first last year, starting in November this year, and it's against the same team in the same place. And that's at Evansville with the new regime we know they have there. Uh, and you know Brian was asked about the new start to the or the start again the early start for the uh for conference and he kind of didn't he kind of avoids the fact that he doesn't like it you know he mentioned how 
you know, a team that plays on November 30th is different than a team that's going to, you know, play early January for a conference game instead. We know we play December 7th against Indiana State at home. So just he pretty much just said that the teams aren't going to be the same. So, you know, be that for what it may in terms of how a team improves over the course of time. But, Noah, your thoughts on obviously having – and we're lucky it's at Evansville because that's how we started 1-0 last year. You need to beat the teams you need to beat. Uh, thoughts on the early thing? Like, like I said, Brian doesn't really – care for it, I guess, and then get into our next game, which is one of the other big ones on the road this year. Yeah, obviously it's interesting with these two two uh two early non conference games. We have uh one game in between them, but just an idea that I just thinking about if Jeff Jackson, if you're listening, you can credit me when you come up with this, but since there's two teams you're only going to see once per year in the conference. Why not be these two teams? But we play these two teams twice. Because like Brian said, November 30th, Evansville, is going to be a whole lot different than January 17th, Evansville. So why not? If it's if each team's only going to play one team once, it needs to be these two games in an early season. Basically, because that's almost like a non-conference game since we're expanding the league. But yeah, that's a that's another one. Middle of the week, easy road trip over to Evansville, able for SIU fans to go see. Then the next one's a big one, one that we obviously they're paying for us to steal our home game this year, and that's a Saturday, hopefully Saturday night game at SLU. Um, SLU's loaded this year, big time opportunity. Another, um, I'd say that I, I mean personally, my opinion is that game at SLU on December thirds your biggest game in your non-conference, I think it's bigger than Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, there's no reason to think that, you know, Oklahoma State's not going to win their Big 12. SLU has a way better chance of winning theirs being in the mid-major. That, I mean, that's what Brian mentioned, those quad one opportunities. I mean, yeah, I would think if they played each other, I'd be interested in to see how it would go. I mean, they match up really well. And if we expect to beat Oklahoma State – there's no doubt that SLU could. So, yeah, I mean, I would say that for sure. You know, that's definitely – I wouldn't disagree with that at all. They're by far the two biggest of the year. So, yeah, you're right. They do pay us, and we'll be going there. Or they'll be coming here for the first time in about three or four years, uh, and then we'll be back there again. So, just a great – I mean, they're, they're a program that continues to get better each and every year, and the fact that they're getting guys healthy and they went to the portal, guys remained, they will be very, very good. That will be – yeah. That those are by far the two biggest. So that's a huge one. Looking forward to making that trip again on December 3rd. And no, I will mention the other uh, in our first home conference game against Indiana State, who we said that could be picked around the middle. They have a, a nice player coming in there with the players they already have with them returning. That'll be fun. Hopefully we can get the 2-0 and at that point. No, and then here's what gets into the lowly part of the schedule for people that want to go watch the team uh at home and knowing that even brian said that you know hardest thing was getting home games for this year and teams didn't want to even start a series in carbondale or just come in general so they had to do what this was and as you said even with the early conference games if you take away these bad teams that we would play that can make for more better opportunities of teams we could schedule like teams we wanted to add siue loyola potentially i think there's map potential for that obviously over time we've talked about other games so i would definitely say we could have 
done a lot better for the home non-conference games, Noah. Dive into our games. There's one we played last year that we get to play again, and those other ones, it's kind of underwhelming for fans that want to show up during that stretch of about a week. Yeah, obviously Brian said that these games, that these were the dates we had, and basically this is all we could all we could get, which sucks. Obviously, you want fans to come to the arena, but, I mean, if it's up to me, if I had something better to do on one of these nights, I mean, I don't want to go see SIU, who we think is going to be, where they're supposed to be, I mean, blow out a team in Alcorn State, which is that one you meant, which is one we played last year, or a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Um, versus Lincoln, Missouri. I mean, obviously I want to see that, but obviously with our job, that's during Christmas time. If I can't make that game, that's – it would – usually a game like that, a home game would be a big deal for me to make it, but if I can't make that, a game against a Division two team, I don't care. Then on that Friday night, again, if I have to work late for Chicago State, I'll turn on 101.5. And listen to Mike Reese on the radio. Those are three games I could care less about. If you want people to come to the arena, you want to pack the arena like it was during your playing days. You're going to have to get better teams because Alcorn State, Lincoln, Divi- Lincoln, Missouri Division Two, and Chicago State, who has probably won five games in the last ten years, not good at all. It's a joke. I mean. You're not gonna have unless you put you if those three day those three games you better put ticket deals if you want a lot of fans to come out to the arena. Yeah, and the fact that that's Christmas time in terms of students, they probably won't be showing up for that. It's definitely a bad stretch. They're hoping that the other games can make up for it, and obviously when they get in the conference play, that those home games make up for it. But you're right. You know, if we can't make it, it's no big deal. We'll keep up with it. We'll tweet best we can. We always love to go if we can, regardless. I remember I was working when we played Maryville at home last year, and we ended up winning that one. So it, it doesn't really matter yet for us. And some people feel that way, and you're right. And we know the student sections bring a lot. And if, you know, outside of your, their local kids, they're not going to be showing up to games like that. And if the weather's cold and all that jazz. So tough matchups for sure. And I think they're they're banking on next year, which they're talking about being the best home schedule in the last 15 years betting on next year's home schedule compared to this one, because this one is very weak. We know Alcorn almost beat us last year. They played really well for three-fourths of the game, and we turned it on and was able to get it done. But not to say you can't – I mean, definitely those next two, Lincoln and Chicago State, you should not lose to. Alcorn State's the best out of those three. Should wipe the floor with them all. That's the expectation. It is lackluster in that realm. So, like I said, we feel bad for fans that have to go to games. Even at that point of the night, to pay money or if you have season tickets, pay money in general, you're right. They need to have some kind of deal because that's a bad stretch of week, a set up, you know, a week stretch of games there. So, but after all those happen, you know, we're back. We love to go to Cape to watch either football at SEMO or basketball. And that's where the, where they'll be at Brad Corn and Connor Wheeler on December 21st. That's a game we'll always try to go to. It's nice. We'll get into SEMO at some point. They'll be picked with a new OVC with no Murray state and Belmont. SEMO should be near the top of that conference. Noah, that'll be a fun game. And then obviously kicking off our third conference game of the year, which another place we love to go to eight days later, that's a nice gap in between there is at Murray state. Noah, the team that will not be, will not finish as low as where we talked about them earlier. That'll be fun. Two locations. We absolutely love going to every year that we can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what Brad Corn's doing with that program, 
obviously, like you said, OVC should be at the top. Then getting going to Murray, um, obviously, with their team and their turnover, um, going to be exciting to see how they start the season. Um, two road games, two good opportunities right there coming off that weak uh, home homestand um, to end the year, to really go into the new year. And you start the new year against one of the new teams at home, Belmont. Don't get to make the trip to Nashville this year. Was disappointed in that. You would think, hey, we're one of the closest teams. We'll get to have a um, – I know a lot of teams hope for – or a lot of fans hope for a weekend trip to Belmont. But even if it was during the week, we would probably be able to make it. Um, not that long of a trip, not hard. Nice, fi- nice facilities down there. Um, then right after that, um, three tough games, the restart value for four, I would say. Um, at Murray Belmont, then you host Drake on January fourth, a Wednesday night. So, um, then you go on the road at Northern Iowa. Pretty, pretty tough um, to re after coming off a week uh, homestand, going two two games on the road. Um, then you go two at home and one back on the road uh, at Northern Iowa. I love that stretch of games, though. Like if we weren't battle tested to this point in general, love at Murray home against Belmont and Drake, probably will pick top four or five teams in the league, and then you're at UNI, no matter how they're going to be, that will be a it, – it's always a tough place to play, no matter how they are, which, again, they're good every year no matter what it takes. They lost a lot, but we'll see how they are. And you mentioned the location with Belmont not going there. That doesn't make any sense because I'm looking at Belmont. So UNI goes to Belmont, and they're about as far apart as you can get, either them and Drake. And Drake also makes it – Drake and UNI, the two furthest away – have the go to Nashville and we don't, it doesn't make sense. And I'm sure Brian's mad about it. You're right. Fans are because some fans that are able to go aren't as, you know, or really excited for it. We love, we went to Nashville at the end of July. We had a great time. It would have been great to do. And it, it is what it is over, you know, the course of years time, hopefully we can, but that is very unfortunate. So I love that stretch of games. Cause then you go at Terra out on the 11th and then you get home and you, have two winnable games, ones you should hopefully take care of it all, all depending. Nice two-game homestand with two-game homestand with Illinois State and Evansville. So you get Evansville out of the way before you get anyone else out of the way. Then you know, at Missouri State, who has picked incredibly, you know, or low and will finish higher as Murray State. They will be very talented. Looking forward to that. And then we host Murray. And then we're at normal to visit the Redbirds at Bradley. So we stay in the middle of the state there. For those trips, just high or up 57 trips for those. No, dive into those games I just said quickly and then maybe take us out the rest of the way of what our what our season looks like. Yeah, obviously some tough road games there. Um having in three having in back to back games in and that kind of span that and Illinois State at Bradley. Two places that sometimes we haven't had a lot of success at. Um, you mentioned at Missouri State. That's a tough one as well. Um, but getting Murray back at home. Um, then you get M- Missouri State at home to knock them off the schedule. Then you start a new team, home game against UIC on February 8th. Um, that's going to be a good one. Excited to see what UIC brings to the Valley. Um, then two two road games at Drake. Um, you finish your second game with Drake. 
Um, then a team that you only get to see once this year, and we got to go up there and play in their high school gym, and that's Valpo. So uh, that's on February 14th, the Tuesday night. So um, then you get two home games um, to finish your home stand or home schedule for Valley play. Um, February 19th, a Sunday, um, you're playing up, you're playing at home against Bradley. So you get to finish them off your schedule and then you get a home game on a Wednesday night to follow that up against Northern Iowa. And like I was discussing with you earlier, um, feels like we've last couple of years, we got to finish the season on the road in Chicago. So February 26th, a Sunday, you get to the Sunday before Arch Madness, you get to finish the year at UIC for the first time. So, um, I like this Valley schedule. I don't like our home schedule non-con wise. Got some really good opportunities on the road. So um, it's an okay schedule. If I were to grade it, I'd give it a C minus um, only because you're, you're good opportunities in the road game and you have some good SoCal challenge opportunities. And obviously Valley play is always fun. So excited. Um, obviously we're in full swing with football, um, but can't wait for basketball to get here. Right, they always pit us against Chicago teams at the end. Always did with Loyola. UIC is, I think, the team that no one, it seems like, ever talks about or hasn't so far. They'll talk about the Belmont Murrays. UIC will be interesting. We know they're athletic. They bring a fiery coach into the Valley. That'll be fun. So ending in Chicago will be fun. They're a team to look out for. I mean, you're right. I wouldn't give it that low of a grade, just mainly because of the team, the games that we do get to start the year with those three home games being like the only down part of it. I think it's just weird starting at USI. I think that's just one, that's one's clearly not as bad as those. Then you're at SEMO before, and then the odd with the, you know, the start of the year with the conference play, I wouldn't say those three games should down the schedule because even though they don't count the fact that we're getting the exhibitions against the teams that we are, that sets us up for, and Brian said it however many times about, you want to help the net and the quad one opportunities. And that's what we have in this, on this schedule. So I don't mind it outside of those three games stretch. There's no doubt about it. Those games are not good. Feel bad for the fans on that. Uh, I, I would give it a nice grade because conference conference will be fun and it's going to, it's important to beat UNLV so you can have Minnesota added to that. So it's not Cal Baptist because then it definitely makes it to where it would be a C minus. That's all depending, but those exhibitions and those secret scrimmages set you up for those nice matchups. It's just obviously taking care of business when you know you have to and go in and fight like hell. And that's important. And that's hopefully what we can do this year. So yes, uh, it was important to get the schedule out to you guys. It's been out for a little bit where we apologize for being out almost 140 days. As Noah said, yes, football has been the main thing as it still is. The basketball season is right around the corner. Like we said, preseason rankings and everything will be here before we know it, maybe by the end of the month. We will discuss those and maybe before that have our predictions and stuff. So it'll be fun to discuss that before the season kicks off because October has seemed to fly by and November 7th will be here before we know it. So it's been fun. We are back discussing dogs basketball. It's it's our favorite, to be honest, and we're looking forward to this season. It should be a nice season, Noah. So for Nick Malone. Noah Lurch. Looking forward to talking with you guys the rest of the way into the season. Until next time, go dogs.